58 million pounds. No, that's not the amount of weight that Americans have gained since the onset of COVID. It's the estimated number of pounds of chocolate that Americans will buy during the week of Valentine's Day. Why? Well, because we have it in our heads somehow that one of the ways to show our love and admiration for that special sweetheart is through candy. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking this tradition and trying to say that you shouldn't buy your sweetheart that heart-shaped box of chocolatey goodness. It's not a bad thing to express our love and admiration for someone. But consider how important, how vital is love. And, and not just the concept, but love itself. Where would we be without it? Can you imagine a world without love? And actually, if we believe in the God of the Bible, we know that he created this world. He created mankind out of love. It wasn't just to show that he was a powerful God, but he wanted to show he was a God of love. After man sinned, God, in love, promised to send someone to rescue us from that death. And Jesus, in love, came as the one who carried out that rescue of us. And the Holy Spirit, in love, brought us to believe in Jesus as our rescuer. It's no wonder that St. Paul writes an entire chapter of one of his letters about love. Let's listen again to part of that chapter, part of today's epistle reading, which is the basis for our message today. Please rise as we hear these words from 1 Corinthians. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not behave indecently. It is not selfish. It is not irritable. It does not keep a record of wrongs. It does not rejoice over unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This is God's word. We pray. Heavenly Father, these are your words. Make us holy through the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. You may be seated. So as we think about these words of Paul from 1 Corinthians, I want you to consider this question. How strong is your love? Does your love eagerly desire the greater gifts? That's what Paul is addressing in the first part of this epistle reading. We heard last Sunday from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and Paul there was explaining how we are part of a body, how God has made us into this body, the church, and how we as the members of that body all work together. And in this final part of chapter 12, Paul talks about the gifts that God gives, gifts to bless the body, to bless the church. And then he says in the last verse, eagerly seek the greater gifts. So are you doing that? Obviously, no, we can't all be apostles or prophets or teachers or miracle workers 
or healers or miraculously speak in tongues. But are we seeking to use and strengthen the gifts that God has already given us? Is it possible for us to become better at using these gifts that God has given us? Could we become a better parent? Well, considering all the times and how many ways we fail at that, yes, we could. Could we be a better spouse? Again, thinking about all of the times that we don't do that good a job at being a spouse, we could improve. Could we be a better church member? Now, I'm not pointing any fingers here, but when you think about it, are you doing all that you could be doing in the church? And why do you want to become better at using the gifts that God has given you? Because of love. You love the other members of this body, of the church. When Paul says, and now I am going to show show you a more excellent way, he then launches into an explanation of love. Love is that more excellent way. When you love someone, you want the best for them. You want the best for your children, for your spouse, for your family members, for your friends, for your co-workers, for your fellow church members. You want to be a better Christian so that you can serve others better. And God has given you gifts to use. Become better at, at using them. That shows how strong your love is. Now, of course, we know that love is not just a tool. It's not just something that we pull out every once in a while to use as we see fit. Is love active in your life every day? Paul mentions different examples of using gifts without love at the beginning of chapter 13. He says that if he could speak in all kinds of different languages, the language or the tongues of men and angels, as he says, if he does that, oh, it'd be impressive. But if it's apart from love, it's meaningless. He says that if he had the gift of prophecy and, and faith moving or mountain moving faith, If he could do those things, well, great. But if it's apart from love, it's meaningless. He says if he would give up everything, including his own body, if he does all that, but there's no love, then it's worthless. What Paul's getting at here is the motivation for using our gifts. Let's be honest. Most of the time, we're pretty self-serving when it comes to how we live our lives. Whose well-being and happiness are at the forefront of your mind most of the time? Now, if you were to go through a typical day and make a list of all of the times that you thought about yourself, your needs, your interests, and then you you also started a list of all the times that you thought about someone else and, and put their needs and their interests in first place, how would those lists balance out? It's not too far of a stretch to think that that list of all the thing, all the times that you thought about yourself and your own needs would probably be the bigger list. We'd much rather keep ourselves in that number one slot because, well, if we don't look out for us, who's going to do that? Paul follows the examples of using gifts without love 
with a great list of some of love's qualities. He says it's patient, it's kind, it doesn't envy, etc. I want to focus on one thing that he emphasizes about love. He says it is not selfish. That probably runs counter to the way that we think about love many times. All too often we think about love in terms of what's in it for me. I deserve to be fulfilled in this relationship. I deserve to be happy. Our kids, well, it would be better for them if we split up because they need happy parents. But Paul says love is not selfish. True love doesn't look out for its own best interests. True love looks out for the interests of others. True love looks at the object of one's love and says, what can I do to make this person's life better? What can I do to to lighten that person's load instead of adding to their load? What can I do to, to build that person up instead of tearing them down? True love says, what can I give? Not, what can I get? Contrary to the world's way of thinking, it's not all about you. It's about other people. And this love, this perfect Selfless love is what you're to show every day. Every day. Not just when you feel like it. Every day. In the final section of this passage, there's one more question to think about as you consider how strong your love is. Does it last forever? Here we need to make sure that we think about love itself and not the feelings of love. Sure, you're committed to your spouse. Till death do you part. But do you always feel that love for your spouse when your spouse just really makes you angry? Sure, you love and honor your parents, keeping the fourth commandment, but what about when they have to discipline you? Or when you're older and your parents are older and they're driving you crazy? Know what Paul says in verse 8. Love never comes to an end. It's there. It's it's steady. It doesn't go away on a whim. Paul says that all sorts of gifts like prophecy and tongues and knowledge are going to go away. They don't last, but love does. Love lasts forever. But how can that be? We see so much hatred and anger and strife in our own lives. We see it in the world around us. Sometimes it may seem that there is no longer any love. But we have to remember that this life, or I should say as our life as Christians, is not about this world. We're looking forward to a better world, to a better life, a perfect life when we get to heaven. Paul says, now we see indirectly using a mirror, but then we will see face to face. We have glimpses, that is, of of what our perfect life in heaven will be. The love that, that we have for our spouse, the love that we have for our children, the love we have for our neighbor, much higher and greater and stronger, infinitely stronger in heaven. God is love, John writes in his first letter. And he also says, Beloved, 
We are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Note that part. We shall be like him. God has perfect love for us right now. And when we get to heaven, we will have that perfect love for God, for others. Perfect love. Paul doesn't spell it out here in this section of 1 Corinthians, but, but we know from reading all of Scripture who, who is perfect love. Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, has the strongest love possible. Who is it that gives us all of the gifts that we receive anyway? Well, it's God. It's Jesus. How much harder could Jesus have worked for the good of the body? For the good of his church. He gave up his throne in heaven to come down to this earth. To live and die for us. So he could rescue us from this present evil age as Paul calls it in Galatians. Jesus looked at us in our pitiful state bound for an eternity in hell because of our sins of of selfishness. Our lack of love. And he rescued us from those sins. He had compassion on us. He acted. He came to this earth to do what we could not do to save us from sin and death. And think about how Jesus showed this perfect love to us every day. Every single day that Jesus spent on this earth was a day that he spent for you. You see, not only was Jesus busy doing all of the miracles and preaching and teaching carrying out all of the work that he needed to do as as our Savior. But he also was busy living. Not just any life, but he had to live a perfect life. The writer of the Hebrews says he was tempted in every way as we are, yet was without sin. It's hard to imagine, right? We can't go maybe an hour without sinning. But Jesus didn't sin every day. He did this because you can't. He did this in your place. And God took that that perfect life of love that Jesus lived for you and he credited, credited it to you through faith. When God looks at us, he doesn't see all of our sins. He sees the perfect life of his son. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God took Jesus' perfect life and he applies it to us. That is perfect love. And then on one particular day, while Jesus was living this perfect life for us, on one particular day, he showed us the fullest extent of our love, of his love. He took every single sin that we've ever committed and ever will commit, every single sin that the world has ever committed or will commit, and he went to the cross. He took God's wrath and anger over our sins so that we don't receive God's wrath and anger, but instead we receive God's love. And Jesus' love, being the strongest love ever, ever, does not... End. 
Not for us, not for anyone. It doesn't matter how many times you sin. It doesn't matter how many times you slip back into the same sin. Jesus' love doesn't stop. And so his forgiveness of you doesn't stop. Your patience may start to run out with someone if if they continually sin against you and you have to continue to forgive them. But that's not how Jesus works. Jesus loves you with an infinite love. It's a fact. It's not going to change because Jesus himself does not change. Now, I'm not talking about Jesus' love for you and how strong it is for you to make you feel like, well, how could I ever have that strong a love? No, the reason that you love in the first place, even with your your imperfect up-and-down love, is because of Jesus. John says in his first letter, we love because God first loved us. That makes perfect sense, right? If we were left on our own to try to figure out how to love or how to show love, boy, it would just be a mess. Not an infinite amount of chocolate could take care of that mess. But we have Jesus. Not just as our example. He's definitely that because he is perfect love. But mostly we have Jesus as our strength, as our motivation. Because Jesus loves us, because he loves us with an infinite love and he forgives us and makes us part of his body, we love others. How strong is your love? Well, in Christ Jesus, it's stronger than you think. Amen.